That you would take my place. 
who care about you being able to say, it is well with my soul. That's a wonderful thing. We need each other. Amen. We need the Lord. There's no doubt about that. But, but God makes himself known many times through the witness of those he has put around us. I remember hearing a story years ago, just a little story. And um, a mama tucked her little boy in for the night and had prayers with him and went on uh, to, to go to bed. And just in a little bit, she heard crying from his room. And she went back in and said, what's wrong? And he said, I'm scared. And she said, well, we had prayer together and um, tucked you in good. Um, Jesus is always with you. Mom, I needed somebody with skin to be here with me. <laughs> we carry in us the very presence of Jesus. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. We, the Bible says we are clay jars, earthen vessels. And that we have um, imperfections, even cracks. But we carry within those jars the very presence of Jesus. And the glory of Jesus shines through the imperfections of our lives. It's amazing how God does that work. But God will take uh, an imperfect vessel and make it extraordinary in the lives of others. Amen? You thinking about somebody right now? I'm thinking about people. I'm thinking about people that God has used in my life. People who believed in me at times more than I believed in myself. People who saw something that, that I didn't see. Um, people who had faith that brought me to a, a higher dimension of faith. I just want to praise the Lord for the people that God has put in my life who cared about me being able to say, it is well with my soul. Um, it is well with my soul, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm emotional this morning that the kings are here. <laughs> I love you. Um, 35 years ago, this time of year, you called me. I was at my house in Columbia. Leon King said, we would be interested in you sending us your resume. We hear you're leaving First Church in Columbia. And I said, well, that's kind. But I don't, I, I don't think I would be interested. And he said, well, we might not be interested in you either, but just send your resume. <laughs> now, those of you who know Leon can hear him saying that. Let me hear amen. amen. That's Leon. But he said exactly what needed to be said that would allow me to just, Ron, relax. You're taking yourself too seriously. And so I send the resume and a couple of weeks later, I'm, I'm in their home or in Rick's home for a committee meeting. And then a couple of weeks after that, in Leon and Angela's home. And Becky and, and I and the kids, Tommy was 13, Christy was eight years old. And um, we went to spend the weekend with them. And I told the kids, I said, don't tell family secrets. Just be careful what you talk about. How many of y'all had to talk like that with your kids? Huh? Don't be telling family. This is not Art Linkletter. That, that takes me back. Some of y'all don't even know who I'm talking about. But he used to talk to kids, and the show was called Kids Say the Darndest Things. And he would get kids just to open up right there on television and tell all of the family stories. Well, anyway, 
We're in the living room on Saturday night. We've had a full weekend getting ready for church the next morning. And again, if you know Leon, Leon asked this question that he's asked me more than once in my life. Do you want some ice cream? And so we got a bowl of ice cream and Christy is sitting in the floor. Remember, she's eight years old and she starts telling a story that I wish she would not tell. And she stopped. She caught herself. And she looked back at me and she said, is it all right if I tell this? And Leon said, you're going to tell it now. <laughs> and it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I didn't want to come to Sumter. But God wanted me to come to Sumter. And now, y'all can't get rid of me. I wouldn't be anywhere else. Um, I, oh, bless you. But I want, I want Leon and Angeline to know um, how much I've missed you in Sumter. Uh, you are giants along my path. And I've learned so much from you. Things that um, just from your heart, um, you would say something and to you it was nothing and to me it became foundational. It became what Becky calls in my life Leonisms. <laughs> Words of wisdom, a spirit of kindness. Leon and Angeline are numbered among that generation who sacrificed for Sumter First Church of God. We stand on their shoulders and the shoulders of their parents and their grandparents and people like them. And so, um, I love y'all. And it means the world to me that it just so happens you end up being here during this month that I'm thinking about those things from, from years ago. And uh, I am so thankful that you insisted that, that I send my resume. And it wasn't impressive. But God meant for us to be here. And I was sharing with the Sunday school class, and, and I know you've heard it, but let me say it one more time and then I'll move on. We met with the pulpit committee. It was a delightful meeting. Leon was the, the chairperson of that committee. I believe there were five members, and all of those other members are in heaven now. And um, I remember we had an incredible meeting, but I was so conflicted because, y'all, I did not want to come to Sumter. I didn't have anything against Sumter. I just I wanted to leave South Carolina. And I didn't have anything against South Carolina, but I just had ideas that I would be better, I would be better at, at what God had for me to do if I went to Florida. Who doesn't want to go to Florida? Okay. I went to, I went to college there and I wanted to go back there. But when we left that pulpit committee meeting, we stopped at the old Exxon station. Um, and I'm filling up with gas and I look across my, the roof of my car and there's that building. Remember that metal building? Aim high. And there's a jet. And I'm looking out across the, the flight line and a jet took off and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you're going to touch lives of people who are on that Air Force base. And, and God in a moment addressed all of my ideas and questions and aspirations and said, this is what... I, 
what I have for you. I got in the car and I said, you're not going to believe what the Lord said to me. And Becky said, and y'all, this is, this is the honest to God truth. This is a true witness. I said, you're not going to believe what God said to me. And she said, I know, God just told me we're going to reach people who are stationed at, at Shaw Air Force Base. And of course, some of you are a part of that, of that family, the Shaw family. Many of you are not a part of that family. But I am so thankful that I have had the privilege to spend these years with people like you because you've made me better than I am. And I know that it is well with my soul because of Jesus, but I know that you have been the people that have carried Jesus about and have made Him real in my life. And I thank you for that. Thank you. I love you. I came to the church the other day and I went to a door that I, I don't normally use and my key wouldn't turn in the door. And I said, uh-oh, it happened. <laughs> it happened. They changed the locks. Um, the message I want to share with you today is a message that has been in my soul for a number of weeks now, and longer than that, but has been shouting in, in my spirit in recent days. It's a verse of Scripture that has become um, just one of those verses for me. And maybe it's one of your verses too. It's found in Ephesians 3.20. And in the NIV it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And then the New Living Translation says, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This verse uh, has been such uh, an encouragement to me in my life and in my prayer life. There was a time when I thought that if God's going to move in my life, then I need to know what I'm saying and I need to say it right. That the prayer needs to be such that it, it moves the heart of God. That, that it, connects with the, it connects with the Almighty. And then I realized that prayer is not so much about me helping God to understand. It's more about Him helping me to understand. It's not that I have to convince Him to be good. He's good. It's not that I have to convince Him to do what is right. He is Holy righteous. And this verse says to me, that whatever is going on, in whatever realm of my being, whether it's in my personal life, or in my pastoral life, or in my relationships with the community, or with my extended family, or whatever the case may be, this verse says to me, that God is able to do what I'm not able to put into words. That God has ideas that I have not even begun to think on. And that it's not so much that I need to find the right words, as that I need to find the right humility to allow Him to do with that which is far beyond 
what I could even think to ask for. It's not just that I, I don't know how to ask for it. I can't even think of what I need to ask for sometimes. And sometimes my prayer is simply, Lord, please help me. Or Lord, please show me. Or Lord, please establish the work of my hands. Or, or Lord, please be with me in this moment. There's never a time that, that I walk into a family situation where someone has lost a loved one or is facing crisis news in their lives that I don't pray on my way into their company. Oh God, please. I don't know what to say and it's beyond anything I can do. Please just let your presence be known in me just walking into the room and your presence being real in my life. And help me, Lord, to just say that which needs to be said that you alone know in this moment. The power of prayer is the power of God at work in our lives. The power of prayer is, is not us learning neatly crafted pieces of literature, so to speak, but the power of prayer is for us to find ourselves poor in spirit and to come into His presence believing that He is wanting to pour out the kingdom of heaven in our experience. I know you're all going to ask, why in the world don't you take care of this beforehand? But I need a bottle of water. <clears throat> I was talking to someone the other day and he just called, he texted me and said, do you have a minute to talk? And I said, of course. And so he called me. And he said, man, I just needed to share something with you. He said, I, I want to praise the Lord for answered prayer. He said, um, there was something that needed to happen at work that needed to happen in regards to one of the clients we serve and the person that, that I knew needed to be involved in, in, in the company response to what was happening seemed to not understand that they were needed, seemed to, to almost be um, um, indifferent or wanting to not be a part of what was going on. And he said, this particular person, I, I knew that if I approached this person in the wrong way, that he would, he would absolutely... <clears throat> remove himself from the situation. Tony's on the way. Thank you, Tony. Brought me a big bottle of water. I'll preach all day now. <laughs> so he said, I knew that collaboration needed to take place in this situation, but I also felt like if I try to bring about a collaborative effort that it's it's going to fail. Um, and furthermore, he said, this particular person, we, we actually are, are good friends. Um, but there's some things professionally that we see differently. And so he said, I, I was just up against it. I, did, I didn't know what to do. I, I, didn't even, I, I didn't know how to approach it, but I knew that if something didn't happen, that we were going to be in a bad way with, with this particular client that we serve. <clears throat> And so he said, I just started praying and said, Lord, I don't know who you want to use or how you want to bring about the solution that's needed in this situation. But he said, um, I need help. And Lord, I don't know what to ask for. I don't know who to, <clears throat> to expect to be involved in, in, in the solution to, to this particular uh, dynamic. But, but Lord, I need help. I need help. Please, Lord. Uh, do what only you can do. And he said, 
a couple of weeks went by and nothing's happening and I'm wondering, you know, what am I going to do? Um, because it's becoming more pronounced that this needs to be addressed. And he said, out of the blue, today, the day we're talking, he said, today, he walked to my office door and he said, hey, do you have a minute to talk? Yeah. And he came in and he said, hey, I just, I just, um, I know I've been kind of removed from this situation, but I've been made aware of, and I, I want to become a part of, uh, of, of helping to, to take care of this situation. And he said, I just wanted to praise the Lord because this was exactly the person who held the key to what needed to take place, but that I felt like I could not approach, and God put it all together. And over and over again, God has brought His wonderful solutions in the midst of what's happening in our lives. And when He brings him His solution, we're like the, the writer of that psalm who said, when God delivered us back, into, back to Jerusalem, we were like men who were dreaming. We had to pinch ourselves to understand this was really happening. And sometimes God answers prayer in such a way and we're like, I can't believe this. I can't believe how God has put this together. I can't believe how obvious God has made His response. I, I can't believe how God has rallied just the right people to this given moment in, in this situation and has done what none of us could have accomplished. I, I think sometimes the thing that breaks down for all of us is that we we kind of like for things to happen more quickly sometimes. Am I wrong? What is, do you remember back when um, you popped popcorn on the stove? Some of y'all say, huh? <laughs> you get that pan out, that favorite pan. There's, there's some pans that just pop the corn, and there's others that just burn the corn. And so you got that pan that you use for popcorn. And you put just a little bit of oil in the bottom of the pan and you let it start heating. And the way you know that it's ready is when you drop a kernel in and it pops. It's like, okay, we're ready. And you put the corn in and it just pops up. And oh man, it's so good. But we want popcorn to be easier than that and quicker than that, and so now we have microwave popcorn. And it even tells us this side up, and I don't know about y'all, but the side that they say goes up looks like it ought not go up, you know, whatever. But this side up, and I put it in, and then I get impatient. Why is it not popping? I want it, I want it to pop. And now we've got a microwave, it's got a popcorn button. What in the world? Now if I could get that thing tied to my smartphone, and maybe you've got one that does that. You know, hey Siri, pop the corn. I push that button, it says popcorn, and it says sensing. And in just a little bit, pop, 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 pop. but now you got to listen, because when, it, when the pops are less frequent, when the pop's almost gone, you better hit that cancel button or your popcorn's going to be black, burnt. 
there's a verse in Isaiah that says, those who wait upon the Lord I always do better when I wait on the Lord. I always do better when my prayers are, Lord, I don't even know, I can't even think what to ask for, but here's, here's my life. Here's what's going on. Here's the situation. I don't even know what to say. My life goes better when I come in that spirit, poor in spirit, that He might pour out His kingdom's resources in my life. It always is a problem when I, when I go uh, at something and then come to God because I've made it more of a mess. I, I, I was hearing a story this morning about needing a plumber. I'm not going to bring you out. I see you in here. <laughs> Y'all, I've made plumbers' lives, lives harder than they have to be. Because I think, I can fix that. And then I give, give it my best go. I even They told me, look it up on YouTube. And I've done that. I look it up on YouTube. And they tell me, you know, and I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm pausing that thing, you know. I, I can't let it go too fast. They say, do this, and I pause it, and I do that, and then hit the play, and, and I do exactly what they say, and I turn the water on, and it's leaking. And I try everything I can. I put it all together just like they said to put it in, but it's leaking. And then I just give up. And I call a plumber. And I've had plumbers tell me, if you would call us before you try to fix it, it would be less expensive. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up on wings like eagles and fly. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord will renew their strength like the youth. First of all, I want to ask you, do you believe God cares about you? Do you believe God cares about what you are involved with in your life at this very season of life? That He cares about your family? He cares about your church? He cares about your work? He cares about your community? and all those little subgroups that you're a part of in life, do you believe God cares about all of those things? Do you believe God knows just exactly what to do in all of those different arenas of life? Do you believe God is able to align variables that are beyond your control? Do you believe God is able to bring into play Solutions that you have not even imagined. Do you believe God's ways really are higher than your ways? Do you believe God thinks about things that you have never thought of? Do you believe God has answers to questions you don't even know how to ask? 
stuff that is beyond your imagination. If you believe these things, pray. Pray all the time about everything, wherever you are, whoever you're with. As long as you students know Jesus and are walking with Him, they'll never take prayer out of school. We've misunderstood that. It's not the schools that ought to be teaching our kids to pray. It's we parents and grandparents who ought to be teaching our kids to pray. And if we teach them prayer in the way the Bible teaches prayer, there will always be prayer in schools and everywhere else. Am I disheartened because of the way our nation continues to forget God? Yes. But church, let's not be numbered among those who have forgotten God. Let's not just be religious people. Let's not just be church-going people. Let's be praying people. People who believe in a God who is able to do far above what we could ever think to ask for. And let's trust Him that His timing is right. That His ways are beyond finding out. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray believing. Let's pray expecting. Let's pray beyond what we know. And as we do that, let's always remember what the Bible says in Romans 8. That there is a Holy Spirit who is ever making intercession for us when we don't know how to put into words what our souls long for. When you go before the Lord in humility, with childlike faith, and you say, Oh God, if you don't say anything else, but oh God, and you say it from that spirit that is longing for God and for His ways to be revealed in your life. If you go like that, the Holy Spirit will fill in the blanks and will bring our request before the Lord in such a way that the Spirit comes back to us and helps us to begin to long for what God is wanting to bring to our experience in life. Sometimes I begin praying one thing and I end up praying something completely different because the Spirit gave me a tune-up and helped me to know that there's, there's a greater answer than I was seeking in the beginning. That there's something God is wanting to do that will take care not only of this need, but will take care of things that go beyond that particular need. I tell you, there's times I go to the place of prayer and I say it, God, I don't know what to say. I, Lord, I've prayed for this person for so long that I can't think of another collection of words that will bring my petition before You. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to ask for. I don't know what needs to be done in this situation. I don't know who the players are, who the people are. And here's the glory of what God does. I said that that person who called to share a testimony said, that just the person that he thought needed to become involved suddenly had an interest to become involved. But I want, you to, I want you to understand, it's bigger than that. There have been times I've prayed for this person to fit this particular need, and God brings somebody I wasn't even thinking of or maybe didn't know before, and that's the person. That's the person God wanted to use in that particular moment. Jesus says, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pray. Pray about everything. Never give up. Don't settle. Don't take it back into your own hands. Oh, there have been times I've called and I've asked someone, can you come help me with this? Yeah, I'll come help you with it. And then I think it's going to be another day before they can come. Y'all, I may be many things, but I am not a procrastinator. <laughs> You know, if I see something and it needs to be taken care of, I want, I want to go ahead and get it taken care of. Amen. I don't want to put it off. I don't know why I'm wired that way, but I don't want to put it off. And sometimes that's, that's not a virtue. Sometimes it's a flaw. Because sometimes if I would wait and if I would involve others, the solution would become better. And so there have been times I've asked someone, would you come help me, da-da-da-da-da? Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I can, come, I can come Friday, and I think, well, now it's Wednesday. I'll just go ahead and do it. And then I'm doing a two-person job by myself, and it becomes a mess. And there are more holes in the wall than there would have been if I had only waited. Pray. And wait. But don't let waiting become an excuse for not doing anything. Someone said we ought to pray like everything depends upon God and we ought to work like everything depends upon us. And somehow we've got to find that balance. We need to pray about everything, but then there comes a time when we need to roll up our sleeves in God's time, as He directs our lives to be the solution that He wants it to be for those real life dramas. Pray, pray, pray. I was reading the verse of the day today from Psalms. I was looking for my phone. I thought I had it right here. Someone look up the psalm for the day on version for me, real quick. Interactive church. Alright, read it for me, out loud. Alright, say it again. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? And I was listening to the devotional that went along with that verse for today, and it was from the Bible Project, and I do advertisements from time to time, right? Amen? I do that. I advertise for you version. It's a great application for Bible study, reading, devotionals. And then today, the, the video that was given for the verse for the day was from Bible Project. And they are incredible in the information that they make available. And so the guy who's talking, and I can never remember his name, but he's talking about this verse, and he says the word for hope in the Old Testament, there are two, primarily, there are three words in the Hebrew, but primarily two words are used in the Hebrew. I don't speak Hebrew, y'all. Uh, so 
Yeah, I do. Shalom, y'all. There you go. There's my Hebrew. But the two words in Hebrew for hope means wait. One of them is just wait. One of them is the answer's coming. Believe. Wait, wait in faith. The answer's coming. Wait. Wait. The other one means wait on the Lord. That the Lord is coming um, and, and the solution uh, abides with the Lord's presence. And then he said in the New Testament there's a Greek word for hope that means that is attached to the resurrection of Jesus. You can hope because God raised Jesus from the grave. Did you hear that song this morning? The same power that raised Him from the grave is at work in you. So waiting is about, God, I want You and I want what You want in my life. And that's bigger than I can put into words. Ephesians 3.20 Glory to Him who is able to do far beyond what I know how to ask for or can even imagine as a possibility. I guess it's 11.37 and some of you are wishing that I would have just said this at 11.20. You can trust in God. You should trust in God. You're settling for far less when you don't trust in God. And so, you know, we don't do church just as a kind of a clinical exercise, right? It's more of a laboratory. What do you need to trust God with this morning? We're not just talking philosophically, you should trust God. Now we're talking real life. What is the Spirit showing you this morning that you need to trust God with? What is God saying to you about, slow down, your hope is not in finding your solution. Your hope is me. Showing up in your life and doing what only I can do. I'm going to wrap it up, but I want to take you to the Old Testament real quick. This is the end right here, okay? In the book of Joshua, the Israelites cross over into the Promised Land after 40 years... <clears throat> of wandering in the wilderness. Maybe that's the Lord saying, wrap it up. <laughs> and God's promised them, I, I am going to give you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, with clusters of grapes so, so huge that you're going to have to drape them over a pole and have two men carry the, the cluster of grapes from, one, from the vineyard to, to, the, uh, to the village. 
And so they go in, and one of the first cities they're confronted with is the city of Jericho. It's a fortified city, a walled city. There is no way for them to get in without assistance. And while Joshua and the generals are trying to decide how do we make our approach, how are we going to do this, uh, the angel of the Lord comes to Joshua and says, here's what, here's what you're going to do. For six days, you're going to walk around the city. One time, each day. And on the seventh day, you're going to walk around the city seven times, and there's going to be a blast on the trumpet, and the people are going to give a shout, and I'm going to cause the walls to fall in on Jericho and its inhabitants, and you will take possession of it. And so they did that. You know, come on. As crazy as that sounds, they did that, and God delivered Jericho into their hands. They would never have thought, Lord, we got an idea. How about we do this? They never would have, they never would have come up with that. Well, now they've got confidence. God is leading us. We can believe that we really are going to be able to take possession of the land because look what the Lord has done. They go up to a little city that is not fortified. It's going to be easy to take. They outnumber them greatly, the city of Ai, and they decide, you know what? This is such an easy undertaking. We'll just take some of our people, some of our army, and we'll just go take possession of Ai. And so they go to take possession of Ai, and the inhabitants of Ai run them ragged, and they experience more casualties than they ever dreamed they would. And so Joshua is on his face before the Lord, and he's like, what in the world? We're a disgrace now. Lord, why have you let this happen? The, God said to Joshua, get up off your face and listen to what I have to say. There is sin in the camp. You did not do what I instructed you to do with the plunder that was taken from Jericho, someone took some of the articles that was to be destroyed and took them unto themselves, and that's why you were not able to take AI. My hand has been removed. You're not going to have victory without me. Listen to this. Go to the book of Joshua. Read the story for yourself. It ends up, there was this man who had taken some of the plunder, buried it under the floor of his tent, and until that was taken care of, they would not experience the glorious involvement of God in taking town after town as their own possession. And all of that to say this, I don't care what we come up with, it will never match what God has destined and what He has provided. And if we think we can just live life any old way and have His blessing, we're mistaken. So waiting on the Lord is not just about us getting our way. It's about Him having His way. Not just in our situation, not just in our dramatic moment, but in our lives. One more question. If the wellness of your soul has anything to do with answered prayer, how do you line up? And wellness of soul is not something we do for ourselves, it's something He does in us when once again 
we wait on the Lord. Search me and try me, O God, and make me the person You want me to be. And show me the way You would have me to go. I believe that You can do far beyond what I could ever imagine or even think to ask for. Do you believe in God? Lord, help us to be people of faith. Not just religious people. Help us to be followers of Jesus, not just Bible readers. Help us to be poor in spirit, understanding that there are some things that only You can do. Lord, I'm going to pray about everything this week. And when I get in the way of my own prayers, please let Your Spirit correct me and build me and help me. And help us in this moment to trust You with what's happening in our lives right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again. I'm forgiven, because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit within me because you died and rose again Amazing love how can it be that you my king would die for me Amazing love my joy to honor you in all I do I honor you I'm forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned I'm alive and well